You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's great company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted and And it's over. Ready, set. Thanks for pressing play on this episode of Two and Out. It's Travis Curra and Andrew from the Turf District. I think we must start it in an appropriate way with a royal wave. (laughs) I think that's amazing. Somebody lift me on their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you oh, got a strong oh, back for me, brother. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I know. Like, uh, oh, we both got back problems. <laughs> got to be careful with uh, that thirty-six-year-old rookie. You don't want him going to the six-game six-game injured list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jones told him that, uh, oh, Mister Dean Faithful. That was a oh, great quote. I thought <laughs> outstanding. It made me made me laugh. Um, but I mean, but let me tell you, is there like he's going to do that every time now, right? But he has to. Like that has was he done it before? Like has no, it been seen in was, practice or no? He he had mentioned it to us a while back, like back kind of training camp. He said, "Oh, I got to throw a Queens wave in there at some point," and we all kind of laughed about <laughs> it. But he was saving it for something wow. like this, and it was perfect. And it was just the timing was great. Uh, it was funny. Obviously, the GIF is going everywhere. Yeah. The Elks changed their avatar to that picture, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, and and you know what for. For a guy that a lot of people had kind of written off early on because he was a 36-year-old rookie and just needed a global player kind of idea, uh, they'd written him off that way. For him to have the success, because we, we've we been talking to him throughout the season and and really kind of cheering him on, and it's, it's awesome to see him get that success because he deserves it. Yeah, there's kind of, uh, there's been some rumblings that the team really just kind of has him there because of the global thing. And maybe they don't trust him that much because he, he's not a guy that's kicking the 53-yard field goals on a regular basis like some others across the CFL. So it was a feel-good moment Saturday night at Commonwealth Stadium. It's it's good to have you on the show. Now you're on 3downnation.com, Edmonton <laughs> Sports Talk, still taking time for two and out, so I appreciate it. Oh, hey, dude, whenever I get a chance to talk football with you, I'm going to take it like what do you think i am uh hollywood not... uh hollywood andrew yeah no no not at all i i will say though that i made sure i shaved before i came on because i knew it was all on video i wanted me to too nice me frame. too okay good yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to bring this up it was kind of some buzz before the game started this week the third party air quality testing that will now be in effect it's kind of funny because uh, wildfire season, I guess, technically goes until October, but it's kind of cooling down now. Thankfully, it seems many residents are able to head home here. But the the Labor Day game in Calgary, yeah, it was it was pretty thick. Um, I, I was in Regina and Calgary. I, I thought that the morning of in Regina was worse than Calgary. It's just my okay. experience. Maybe I got acclimatized to it by this point. <laughs> But I saw Dave Campbell from 630 Ched. Like, if the Labor Day game doesn't happen, they would have to have decide a winner or a loser by basically having a mini game. Like, can you imagine? Like, overtime mini game. 
Yeah. Although I can tell you right now, what I wished for is that they would have had to call the game with about five minutes left in the third quarter. <laughs> it was far enough. I mean, like Saskatchewan got to win by lightning for that one. Yeah, time, against right? Montreal. Do it yeah, for air quality. I mean, that would. I think. I think they should just go back and revise it and say that it ended at halfway through the third. That would have been fine. Um, no, I. <laughs> I. It's funny because that day, as it was happening, I mean, obviously, I'm in Edmonton. I'm not. I wasn't yeah. down in Calgary, but it it was thick here too. So I was really wondering if they were going to have the game. Now I the you know the notes came out afterwards that they were testing at field level and all those kind of things. Um, and I'm glad now they've kind of clarified what the rule is. But yeah, could you imagine if they would have had to cancel it and then have a mini game beforehand? And then play the rematch, the full game right after, like that. I don't know. Whoever wins that mini game, though, has a serious advantage in the, no the next game because the, the the other team <laughs> is like still trying to recover from losing off, out of a two possession game. Like it, oh, it'd be it'd be wild. Although I'd love to see it, just not with my team in it. <laughs> the trick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now I'm trying to remember a couple summers ago in Edmonton, there were some pretty greasy air quality games that happened, and I thought they were worse than the one in Calgary, but uh, this might be a thing going forward where we just have to deal with this every single summer. So, uh, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see if this does affect games not only this season but next season and beyond. Uh, we got to talk Friday night football, though. The Hamilton Tiger Cats winning 27-24. They have now won 10 straight against the Red Blacks, and I don't think I can understate how massive of a win this was for the tie cats. I think everyone had them written off. Everybody said, Oh, short week, red blacks off the bye. Well, all of that was out the window when <laughs> the tie cats, I think maybe in the first half, they were kind of getting their legs under them. But in the second half, they, they played great football and look, it wasn't a pretty first half by any means, but the fourth quarter was an entertaining one to watch. And the tie cats are four and two, on the road, uh, the Red Blacks still haven't won inside the East Division. So, I mean, obviously a big loss for Ottawa. And uh, they've kind of gone on a skid just when everybody uh, kind of said, oh, maybe they're turning it around with Dustin Crum. And it's not like he was bad, but no. that's a big win for Hamilton. It's a big win for Hamilton. It's a crushing loss for Ottawa because they had everything stacked in their favor as far as I was concerned. I, I yeah. looked at this game and thought, like you just said, Hamilton basically has three days rest in the in between games and a and a big game against Toronto, right? Not a yeah. not like a easy game that they had. Not not that there's any easy games, but you know what I mean. Um Ottawa's coming off a bye week. Ottawa's playing at home. Like you would i was shocked that this ended up the way it did i thought i i didn't think it was going to be a pretty game and i was right there yeah. but i don't i did not see hamilton coming out on top i thought ottawa's defense that all the cracks are showing which is odd because they were beginning of the year the defense was was holding them in the games and now it's like if you have a 15 yard pass you need to make against ottawa you're likely going to make it and i I feel the frustration of the fan base yeah. when like you can't win at home. Like, and especially when you have these kind of odds, 
I, I thought that was pretty much a gimme and uh, well, as far as a gimme goes in CFL, um, but it, yeah, it was a really, really tough one to watch. Well, and it's weird. It's like half the defense is performing well in Ottawa. The other half, the back half isn't um, yes. the run defense. James Butler had two and a half yards carry 35 <laughs> yards on well, 14 carries. Again, to be fair, he was just in 35 car wrecks three days before. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought about that because I put James Butler in my fantasy and about halfway through the game, I'm like, that was stupid. <laughs> what was I thinking? He's only right. on three days rest. Of course, he's going to be beat up. And Ottawa's run defense is better than their pass defense. So um, that that kind of sucked on my fantasy side, but it it's got to suck for him. How, yeah. how do you, as a running back that gets hit a lot when you're carrying the ball, play games that close together? Like it yeah. was tough. And, you know, normally when you get an offense in second and long, <laughs> that, that's a good well, situation for the defense. <laughs> that's the other thing. James Butler, what would you say, two and a half yards average? A carry. Right. And Hamilton won the game. Yeah. Yeah. That says all you need to know about the Ottawa secondary, pretty much. Yeah. I, I think this is yeah. one of the best names in the CFL. So we got to give him a uh, shout out. Stavros Katsantonis <laughs> of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. <laughs> A fumble recovery, an interception, and a big stop at the one, all in the first half for the Hamilton safety. And following up that stop at the one-yard line, the Ticats stopped the Red Pl- Red Blacks three times in a row, and that set the tone that the, those Ticats were not going to be pushed over no matter how sore they were five days ago. But Cats and Tonus, what a performance. And that goal line stop on Nate Bahar, by the way, yeah. who had some strong words for the Hamilton Tiger Cats three days before you... the game. Maybe it wasn't the best choice, Andrew. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe he, uh, he might have lit a fire, shall we say, on that side of the ball. Um I, I listened to your show from last week and I, and I agree with you. I, I love the fact that there are guys that are giving some real interviews. Do, do you know what I mean? I love being not a the more political candid. safe stuff, you know? Correct. Yeah. Oh, you know, Hamilton's a good yeah. team. Blah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody says that. Great. Okay. Where's the guy that says, no, you know what? I hate that guy. I want to beat him up. <laughs> but this is the problem when you yeah. play it. <laughs> sometimes you have to take that foot and shove it farther into your mouth. And that's kind of what happened here. And it's one of the reasons that I, I can't, I mean, I can't go full Ballantine because I hate being (laughs) wrong. I hate being like, Oh, I'm going to like, yeah, I'm going to talk all this trash. And then, Ooh, no, I paid for that one. So um, it's, it's, he tried it. (laughs) Didn't work so well. No, it, it, well, and I'm just, I'm still blown away. Like you look on the other side and the Ottawa Red Blacks had quite the running game themselves. Devontae Williams had Devontae 146 Williams. yards. He added 69 yards on four catches. Nice. So over 200 yards from scrimmage, you're filling in nicely, by the way. And <laughs> And they still just couldn't get the job done. Against the Ty Cats, like that—that that loss has to hurt 
obviously, and it feels like Crum, he looks like he's still, I mean, he still has some ways to go, but he's not looking, I, I think, bad. Um, no. I think they've gotten away with <laughs> what made him a bit magical earlier on, all those rushing uh yards but he did have a touchdown he did have 42 yards rushing so he still did have some success on the ground but where do the red blacks go from here is it just riding crumb to the rest of the season and then next season kind of i don't know like do you have to retool every single year and are they sticking with bob dice now those questions are back again oh man so I know it's hard uh, for for Ottawa, especially for their fans, because their their team has been so up and down. Do you know what I mean? Like o- yeah. over the many many years, right? Of, of ha- having a team or not having it, um, we go back to the first iteration of the Rough Riders, and and then them going down, and then leaving, and then the Renegades come in, and then they're gone after a, a short stint, and and now the Red Blacks, and um. And they had some early success, of course, right? They they got to the, the Grey Cup in 2015. They won in 2016. Um, and, and it really built up the team. Um, now, they've had, obviously, some steps back, and, and that happens. The one thing that I will say is I hope that they don't move on from Bob Dice. And that's not to say that I feel like... Um, like I, some Ottawa fans may think that I'm saying I want them to continue to lose. And I don't, I don't, I I want them to have uh, some balance and I want them to start winning. Um, But I think the consistency goes such a long way and it is tough when you have to go through all of the, like, here we go again, uh, moments, especially when you're losing, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. All the losing at home, all that stuff sucks. But you want to have that consistency to some degree, because if you keep changing it all the time, then that guy's got to bring in all of his guys. And then you've got to wait for all of them to gel together. And then you have to. And I was saying the same thing this year with Chris Jones. Lots of people when we're 0 and 7, 0 and 8 are saying, well, he's got to go. He's got to do this. I'm like, it was a three year plan when he came in. See the three year plan out. If it continued 100%, then we get to three years. It's not going fine. But. I I hope they do give some consistency there. We know Kahari Jones both has the ability to head coach and he's good at an offensive coordinator position, but he's working with a guy who's a brand new rookie in the league um, with not a lot of backup uh, other than, you know, he's got some support from Jeremiah Mazzoli as a veteran who isn't playing right now. Um, I, I think you've got to kind of let them work out some kinks. It's not fun and it's not easy, but I think in the long run, that'll pay off for Ottawa much better than trying to overhaul the entire thing. Hamilton fans will say, you guys won the Grey Cup five years ago. Relax. We're in the 90s. Uh, and Taylor Powell, 326 yards, three touchdowns. I, I got to give a shout-out to Tim White, man. Seven oh, catches, 12 targets, you. 180 yards, two touchdowns. He's got 15 catches, 280 yards, three touchdowns this week <laughs> in five days. So this double count for fantasy. Anyway, um, guess not. Anyway, uh, I. You know what the thing is for all of his struggles at the beginning of the year. Yeah, he's 
he's turned it around and we're seeing that especially in this last three weeks or so uh he's really coming becoming the tim white that we expected to see at the beginning of the year so uh and that only helps powell mm-hmm. right uh, when you look at crumb's success early on it was nate bahar that was catching all of those tough yeah. long field plays and and touchdowns and those types of things and Right now, we see Tim White kind of picking up Powell, and and uh, it, it's kind of that that part is actually kind of cool to see. Yeah, that's with Duke Williams on the six game injured list. Whether it's injuries, drama, or both, we don't really know. Hurt but feelings. Ti- yeah, <laughs> the Ticats flushed that, and they got a big win. I guess we'll talk playoff implications after the last game of the week because Super Saturday, the first two games. Really nothing to write home about. If you combine the scores between the winners and the losers, it was 90 to 16. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's excellent math. Uh, The Argos, 10 and 1. Their best start to a season since Doug Flutie. And now... They're looking at eclipsing the 1989 Edmonton team for the most wins. No, it won't happen. No. But. I'm kidding. It it could happen. (laughs) It could. Uh, I I think the Argos will finish 16-2. and I think. But that didn't work for that 1989 team. I do not need to remind you, Andrew. No, I I know. They canceled the Grey Cup that year. (laughs) I I know. I know what happened. One of the greatest games of all time does not exist in Andrew's world. Nope, nope. they canceled it that year. And I don't want them to have to cancel it this year. So no 16-2. and That would be great. Yeah. (laughs) 39-10. The final is the Argos stomp the Alouettes. Honestly, it is just the Argos start so, so fast, but the Alouettes helped them out here. Five turnovers, including uh, getting stuffed on third and short. There were three fumbles. There was an interception from Cody. And Toronto makes you pay for those turnovers. They are the absolute kings in the CFL right now of doing that. (laughs) Well, and they're also the kings of getting the turnovers. Like I, I th- that's the thing. They get them and then they make you pay for them. And uh, yeah, I said this at the beginning of the season, that Argo defense, I wasn't sure about the Argo offense because I wasn't really convinced on Chad Kelly. Obviously at this point, I'm eating those words and realizing. I, w- that I don't think many good, people were. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I knew that the defense was going to be good and, is it ever like that it's it is hard to play against that toronto defense and we saw calgary get all those touchdowns uh, a couple of weeks ago i thought oh okay maybe maybe they found something in the toronto defense but you can pass on them you can move the ball on them but uh finishing drives is another story yeah (laughs) (laughs) before you give it away and yeah. that's the trick. They keep getting it back, whether it is interception or fumble or, you know, turnover on third down. Like they they just find ways. Um, and they're playing very clean football too. They're yeah. not they're not getting a lot of those penalties that uh, every other team is going, what the hell is that? <laughs> like it, they don't get as many of those, right? So um so I think that uh, it it it's going to be hard to stop them. I think, especially when you look at the rest of their schedule, um, I think there's like, they only have the one game against Winnipeg that, that maybe that you're right. But the other showdown, the others, they're mostly playing the teams in that, in that 
mid to low tier. Um, and so I, I, as much as I hate to say that, that, that 16 and two might be on the line. It, it might be, they are playing that well. They have Ottawa twice. They've got Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, uh, right? And they have like, Hamilton too. So we'll see. Well, we, but we know what they do to Hamilton. So yeah. We count that one. <laughs> that one's a win. Yeah. Uh, the Elks have improved. I don't know if they improved that much. So we'll say, you know, uh, Ottawa right now is kind of floundering. I, I, unless they, because those are the ones though, where you go, oh, well, it's never going to happen. And then Ottawa pulls one out. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Toronto's well, like clinch yeah. the East final and they're like, eh, Cameron yeah, Dukes so. go. Yeah. Go try. Snaps. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, man. Here's your. <laughs> Here's your participation, Riffin. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for trying. Yeah, I now, just hand it off to Olette over and over again. See what happens. Yeah, it doesn't help when the CFL's leading receiver Austin Mack, 29 yards away from 1,000 on the year, gets ejected in the first quarter. <laughs> now, what did you think about that? Now, <laughs> this is get this will get me in trouble. I I think we need to uh, revisit the definition of a punch. <laughs> Because it was like an open, it was a strike. Okay, it, I get that. It was that. a strike. It was a strike. I guess I'm just questioning it because of what happened in the late game in the triple header. We'll we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I could, I guess I could see Austin Max frustration. The DBs not letting go. They wrestle each other to the ground. He pushes him off, and then there's a melee, and he right. gets booted out of the game. And what I thought at first. It was like maybe the CFL is seeing what happened in the Labor Day game between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, thinking, let's get control of this. You can't have those after-the-play melees, strikes, punches, whatever you want to call them. So it doesn't matter who it is. Austin Mack, leading receiver in the CFL, punted. Of course, that affects the Montreal offense, and you can't have that in the game. But I just want consistency, man. Like yeah, I know. Let's let's get to it now. Reggie Bagleton and Ed Ganey, I think it was the third quarter. Now, Ed, if you go back and watch, he took a swing at him. And it was just mm-hmm. a glancing blow. The yep. camera catches the retaliation from Reggie. Which was a great camera shot because Dave Dickinson's over. What are you doing, (laughs) Reggie? And the flag comes up. Yeah. But it to me it looked more violent than what Austin Mack did, and he remained in the game. So what are we doing? Well, I think that's a thing that we have been saying for a while though is consistency across games, and and it's hard to say that. I mean. I look at I, I look at the thing from Austin Mack and think I would have expected that would have been like an ob- objectionable conduct. This counts as a player misconduct foul. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, of and course. if he gets a second one, then he gets out of the game, right? Um yeah. and I think that same thing kind of needed to ha- and did kind of happen in the late game. Um but if they're if but if they're throwing Mac out in the first game, then why are they not throwing somebody out in the last game? And that's the part that you're as a fan, you're going, well, that doesn't make sense. Like we we could get into a whole conversation about what is PI, and we'll never get to the same answer. And nope. that's that's unfortunate. It makes it a lot harder to be standing there 
we we could talk about um uh, just rough play um which we'll talk about in the Elks game too where you're why is that not called but this this is like I I I don't know it's it's very interesting and I don't know how I don't know how they fix that without ha- without having refs as full-time employees I think that's yeah. part of it right you have you have refs that know each other and they work in their groups right um and they all have similar ways they look at things and i know they do review things with each ref like i i I do know that it's not like they're just you know like oh i only do this on saturdays and that's it um i don't do any training during the week i just show up and throw flags yay um although it does feel like that sometimes but what i am thinking is that there there isn't this like your full-time job is to get all of these head refs on the same page of this is what this would be called. Right. And they don't really have that ability at this moment. And I think that's, what's making it hard for us as fans to say, okay, well, um, one ref is going to call this and the next ref is going to call it a little differently. Like, do you need one replay guy? There's only four games a week. You'd think that the one guy would call it the same for Montreal as for Calgary. Like, if the one guy's seeing the play, I, I... that's tough to say. If the one replay guy is Bradbury, because it's gonna be different every game anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I may still be. I still may still be a little uh, PTSD on that. I'm not sure. But... That's just just saying. Yeah. <laughs> There's a key moment from this game, just the last one I want to highlight. Beginning of the third quarter, Montreal's trailing 23-7. They have a 77-yard drive. They're down to the three, third and goal, and they kick the field goal. So instead mm-hmm. of being down 16, yeah, that's my math, you're down 13. <laughs> yep, so, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and then Montreal or Toronto gets the ball at the 40 instead of the three and Toronto scores anyway. So right. <laughs> right. I don't know. I just like the math better. If you don't get the third and goal that uh, Toronto taken over from the three instead of the 40, you know, that's one of those ones that's going to be debated either way, but I, I yeah. do agree with you. 27 to three. You haven't really put anything on the board. Um, third and three. Like what? Now the other part is, I guess it wasn't first down, and Jason Moss kicked the field goal, which we yeah. all know he has done in the past. Um, and uh, so I, I don't know, but I, I, it, it's a tough one. I agree with you, though. You'd rather it just like if you don't get it, at least you're pinning them all the way down, and maybe then you can get the ball back with some field position to try and get. Because it's not yeah. like if 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 it's a lot close, if you're within ten, I totally get taking the field goal, take the points fine you're a one score game carry on right um yeah you're down two full touchdowns with two point conversions um what's the harm in taking a shot there yeah there was a similar score in the in situation in the elks and stamps game so we'll have to talk about that too chad kelly did not have a passing touchdown he did have a rushing touchdown but he was 21 to 28 278 yards aj olette 19 carries 105 yards two touchdowns cameron dukes had a rushing touchdown the leading receiver for the argos was tommy kneeled just like we all drew up six (laughs) catches and 84 yards those argos they 
perform as a team. They've got the special teams going with Javon Leak. That defense makes plays. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Robbie Smith might have my favorite celebration in the CFL, but we won't do it on YouTube as this is a family show. For the Argos. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Brazilian Ty? He'd do it. Come on. We for the Alouettes, anyway. yeah. <laughs> I should say uh, Cody Fajardo, he uh, 21 to 24, 236 yards. I think there was a stretch where he had, what, 18 or 19 straight completions. It's not like he was bad. No, he had a decent, he had a decent game. But, but what is the one thing that we say, or we have said for many years about a Jason Moss run offense? And I love Jason Moss. I don't want to be yeah. you know like i i do like him as a coach um but it's amazing offense in between the 20s yeah but it has a hard time finishing and i don't know why i don't know why that is um I, I, we just talked about taking in a, a very conservative call on a on a third and three when you're down by 16 so is it that when they get inside the 20 they just are playing conservative to not turn it over. And then that's not getting them points. I'm not sure, but it definitely is something that has kind of plagued through the times that he's had. Um, And, and you hope that they would, they would sleep. Like you read that stat line, you think, wow, this must've been a shootout. Yeah. Right. Mm, Six points. Yeah. And earlier in the game, a first half, it's third and short, and they go for it with Caleb Evans and get stuffed. So, <laughs> which maybe then scared them off of maybe. the three later, right? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Chandler Worthy ended up being the leading receiver for the Alouettes, four uh, catches, fifty-nine yards, and I guess the passing game became the rushing game because Walter Fletcher and William Stanback combined for seven carries and 16 yards. So the short passes, short completions, and just not enough, obviously, first downs and scores. But back to the drawing board as it's Alouettes and Argos again this coming weekend. And uh, the Owls are saying, yay, we got another chance. And they're also saying, oh, no, we have to play them again. (laughs) (laughs) Austin. Austin Mack, or somebody is going to go in there and tell Austin Mack, no touchy. Yeah. <laughs> no touchy. Just go out there and run. Go catch the ball. The only thing you're allowed to touch is the ball. Yeah, exactly. No, no one else. Yeah. I've noticed, I don't know what happens on the field, but teams try to aggravate them. Uh, you yeah. saw the Chris Edwards incident earlier in the year, walking up to Austin Mack and shoving him over after the game. So now, what's going really on fair, with this guy? That's Chris Edwards. He does that's it to true. everybody. He's just a jerk. There's that's true. You can do about it. Like, that's not a. That doesn't matter. But anyway, but you're right. They are trying to get under his skin. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they see something there that uh, they can get under his skin and limit him that way. Who knows? Now I've been trying to avoid talking about this game. Uh, <laughs> I wondered. <laughs> up in Edmonton, what are your thoughts on the banjo bowl? It seems like, or the name, I should say. It seems like. Uh, Certain people and organizations, maybe the organization itself, uh, the Rough Riders trying to erase the Banjo Bowl name. I say embrace it. I, I, I think it was funny in the first place. And it was, and it's kind of funny that it stuck. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it was just yeah. something out of the blue and then it stuck. So I like, it's not a, um, uh, 
it's not a racial slur. Like, yeah, what? Just keep it as banjo bowl. Like, I get that the whole if you read the entire quote where it came from, yeah. that it would be that it's not the kindest thing. But but banjo bowl doesn't mean anything. Like, it's just I yeah. just think that that it's funny. Um, and especially after you say, you know, this is your your Labor Day weekend game, then it follows up by the banjo bowl. So, and here we, I mean, we've never had a like a saying like that, but it's always been the Labor Day and the Return Classic, and it's always been called that. So I mm-hmm. don't. If they said, oh, well, we can't call it the return classic because it's not really a, I'm like, well, that's dumb. Like, just call it that. So um, I think the only way they ever get away from calling it that is if they didn't have the rematch. And I I think that would also be a way that people would be upset because it it is a two-weekend thing that is at least both teams are playing on the same number of short days. um, And you you know, the rivalry is there. People go down to Calgary, people come up to Edmonton, same thing, Regina, Winnipeg. Right. And it's, and it is a, it's a big deal to be part of those games as fans. So I I don't, I don't, I don't think they should change it anyway. Um, They've made it special in Winnipeg. It sells out. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Maybe maybe Ryder fans want yeah. to change because they haven't had a lot of success in that game. <laughs> I, and no. this was no exception. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Jacques Cartier or Jacques Cartier on Twitter for correcting me. The the Riders last won this one in 2018. Uh, but they got smashed here. 51 to 6. There is absolutely, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, the performance from the Bombers, but it was just pure dominance right from the get-go as they do clinch a playoff spot. This game legitimately in my nightmares, though. Um, <laughs> I, I bet. I, I was laughing in my sleep, and my uh, wife uh, had a chat with me, and uh, she kept record of it, and she uh, updated me on it before recording the podcast, and I was <laughs> laughing. And she says, what are you laughing about? I don't remember any of this. And she, I go, uh, that's a football thing. And she goes, who's playing? I go, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. And then she goes, "Uh, well, who's the better team? And I say, Winnipeg. And uh, she she smells blood in the water. She's like, in his sleep, he's going to admit he's a Bomber fan. So she goes, who are you cheering for? And I go, Saskatchewan. And she goes, oh, Winnipeg's just better. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And back to sleep I go. So <laughs> I don't know if it was oh Willie Jefferson being on top of Keen Schaefer Baker as soon as the handoff was given, or it was number three Dalton Schoen, but those bombers are living in my dreams, man. Well, I, to make you feel better, I have a feeling that they invade a lot of nightmares for people. Um, that if we had that game on at the tailgate uh, prior to the, the late game. And so we have it on the TV and we're sitting back watching and we had, and, and, you know, we're just kind of watching the play. But we weren't really looking at the score. <laughs> Looked at what, like, what's the score? Like 46 to six or whatever it was. And, uh, and then Mike goes, yeah, it's still the first half. I'm like, <laughs> what? 42, six and a half time. So what? <laughs> Holy cow, that was ridiculous. Like I think Yeah, they had to prove a point. What's it wild worked. here? The the Riders had one turnover? It, it's not like 
they were just throwing pick sixes left and right. It was just. Did Claris throw five touchdowns in the first half? Yeah, he was 18 of 21 for 319 yards and five touchdowns. Brady Oliveira had 8.6 yards a carry, 154 yards. He added 57 yards receiving. Dalton shown the hat trick, five catches, 104 yards, three touchdowns. Kenny the King Lawler, 104 yards on four catches and a touchdown. It was just pure dominance. I, I like. I don't know what else you could say about the game. The 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 Bombers came out with something to prove, and they were mad after the Labor Day loss. They were mad after what happened, and I think they've been quite mad about some of the conversation that's been surrounding the Bombers. Uh, they're not as dominant. Maybe they're getting a little old. And I've heard the rumblings on Twitter. I think it's ridiculous. Zach Kalaros is an average quarterback. Anyone could win with the Bombers. And, well, I don't think average quarterbacks, I don't care what the Riders did or what they put on the field, would be able to do that in one half of football. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. This is not like Zach is a good quarterback behind a great offensive line. And that combination is why you see what you do. Now, this year, have they been a bit more inconsistent than they have been in the past few years? Yep. Sure. But the one thing I will say is that they have kept their core together and they're still winning. But other teams are now adapting to a little bit to what they're doing. So, yes, they can have a game like this where they just blow everything out everything that they you know everything they touch turns to gold um and they they find the right way there's other games where they just seem to not be on the same page and i think that's new for this year but overall are yes the team is getting a bit older because like i just said they've kept all the core together and so that's been at least what five years now four anyway four or five years um so any player, even if you started when you were when you joined the Bombers at 25 and was a and were a big deal, well, you're now just on the other side of 30, or possibly just on the other side of 30. So, um, so that that is happening a little bit, but overall, yeah, no, they're still a great team and yeah. and still a high benchmark in this particular league uh, at the moment. Toronto's playing great. They're definitely, you know, one, two, one, one, a between the two of them. Um, but yeah, Winnipeg, when they, when they get fired up, which I think they did this week, uh, this is what happens. Winnipeg, uh, they are now, uh, set to play the tie cats, uh, and then they got a buy and then they have the Argos. So, uh, we'll see what they do for the rest of September. As for the riders, uh, I I don't think anybody picked them to win. I think everybody thought they were kind of going to get crushed. It's not an excuse to come out and really, well, <laughs> once things get away from you, it's almost like you're just trying to survive, and it seems like they didn't have any uh, major injuries. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a positive. They're coming off wins against Winnipeg and BC, which were massive wins uh, for the team. And look, 
Jake Dolagala, <laughs> he uh, walked into something that, uh, like, they're going to have to beat Winnipeg if they want to get to the Grey Cup. And the atmosphere at the Banjo Bowl is probably more wild than even the West Final. So, <laughs> fair. Fair. Um, just a question. Do you think that, because um, Jake Dolagala playing at home, had that success right he did yeah bc and and winnipeg um do you think that it's kind of his first real game outside of uh mosaic right so so i wonder if that played a bit of a role it's he he is a brand new quarterback and yes he's had some great success up front and he and he looks like he could play very well and he's a super nice gentleman bending down to talk yeah. to Britt Dort which is awesome <laughs> and uh, scored lots of points with me I love that he did that it was so cool um but you have to think now there's two full games with tape on him and now he's going out to play in other stadiums and and has different maybe not so much support when he goes to another stadium. I know Ryder fans travel well, but the, 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 the support will be different. Right. So, yep. so I just wonder if that played a bit of a role in that. And uh, also then I just wish that you were on the road next week, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I think that's going to be a fascinating game. It's how do the riders respond from that and uh, yes. against the team that kind of has momentum and uh, really nothing to lose here. Uh, let's talk about that. The Edmonton Elks beating the Calgary Stampeders 25-23. Edmonton ends a five-game losing streak to the Stampeders and has now won two in a row at home, but it started rough <laughs> for for the Elks. Oh, and, started rough. is this, That is an understatement, my friend. Well, and I... <laughs> I'm watching the game, and I'm kind of wondering, what am I going to say to Andrew? And I was like, well, Dickinson and crew just had the team better prepared. And I think that's still true. Uh, They they had a better game plan than the Elks. And, I mean, what did Trey Ford have through three quarters? 21 yards passing, 11 in the first half? Correct. And and they were forcing him in to pass. And somehow mostly keeping him in the pocket. Like he wasn't, he wasn't able to break out and get those giant runs that he was getting on Labor Day. Right. So I wasn't sure because that first drive from the Elks ended in that massive run from Kevin Browning to get the touchdown. They started fast. Yeah. Okay. That all right. They're going to do the same thing as last Monday, but then it just kind of fell apart. And, uh, and, the the fact that they were forcing them to throw and then covering everybody downfield, um, it just left Trey Ford with not a lot of options. But one of the things that Trey said at the end of the game was that when they did the turnaround, they started to pass on first down. And he said they obviously teams know we were mostly running on first down. And when they didn't know when the pass was coming, it was it helped the Elks. But that first that oh man, the first what th- almost fully three quarters was was painful. I, I'm I'm gonna I'll be honest because um, I did text some of my Stampeder friends at halftime and said congrats on the sweep because we're not here. Like they're not playing tonight. Yeah. They're not in it. They're they don't seem to be 
they don't seem to have the same drive. They got the first touchdown and then just thought they'd coast or I don't know what it was. Um, but I'm not upset to be wrong either. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, uh, I told my wife a lot of the things that you were saying. I'm like, they're just, especially through three quarters, they're just predictable. It's the yep. run. And then, and Trey said it, he said, it's nine guys in coverage in yep. on second down. And then on second and long too. Not yeah. Like, right. Yeah. So. And what I had, uh, and look, we, we talked about the honesty in interviews with uh, Nate Bahar. Trey, uh, really, after the second interception he threw, he said, I felt awful. I felt like a terrible person. And it really felt for the guy. Yeah. And, but then it's always how you respond. And he just able to turn it on in the fourth quarter with the help, I think, of his offensive coordinator and the play calling from Jarius Jackson. And I also said to Taylor, I said, this is going to be the opposite of Labor Day, the opposite of Labor Day. And that's what happened with Calgary. They went safe yep. and conservative with their play calling, much like Edmonton did in the fourth quarter in Calgary. So it was it was these games almost completely mirror each other. It's completely bizarre. It was it was bonkers, and and the other part of it is is and I I know we, well we should bring it up because some uh, some Calgary fans will will bring this up as well. There there was there was some questionable penalty calls was, in this game. Yeah. There was also some very questionable non penalty calls. The you know throwing down Trey Ford in the first half and no call, and that turned into a punt. Right? Um, there's you know this we already talked about this hitting and, and whether that was you know objectionable or what that counts for um the the pass interference in in the last minute was oh it it was pretty ticky tack i'm i'm gonna say although if they're calling it the week before which they they were then they call uh, so now we get the consistency we want but it's consistency in a bad call <laughs> i don't know well it but, gets so um, frustrating because after right? labor day these wins are just harder to come by the games are closer and they almost feel like they're they're not completely decided on one call or two calls but right. it doesn't help and no I, I I still think the one in the end zone that Edmonton got called on Labor Day was a dumb call. And th- this one here that helped out the Elks was also. But, and then it's one I of agree. those things where is there enough evidence to overturn the call on the field? <laughs> right. It, it but the trick is, is that the, the, the one even in the Labor Day game that was Bratton and it was Hakuna Vanu. I can never say that guy's name. Akinovani. Thanks. Bless you. Um, <laughs> when he, he He's coming back towards the ball because the ball is severely underthrown. Bratton is already in his position. and Yeah, that one was thrown behind Akinavani the receiver runs, in this game. It was him, right? short. Like, right. It, and... So I, I guess they're, they're just calling it, but there's got you, you, you'd like them to re- look back and go, look, if it's thrown, you know, three yards short, then both calls should have been no, like no call in my opinion. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, not that I'm complaining at this particular moment, but uh, <laughs> I was complaining on Tuesday. Yeah, I guess now. the calls yeah. even out over the course of a season. You could have made the case 
for Gino getting called for OPI on the play before as well. Roberson was on Gino for most of the game. And then as the game went on, uh, Gino got the better of that matchup, but uh, Trey uh, performed well in the battle. (laughs) Gino was not a difficult assignment, but also throughout the game lost a big target in Steven Dunbar uh, that has become reliable, especially in the red zone for the Elks over the past few weeks. And now on my fantasy roster with 2.6 points. So I'm like, what's mine number too. seven doing down there? Yeah, mine too. I was did, like, oh, come did you, on. Did you catch Micah always halftime interview? I did not. No, I haven't because I was at West of us. So uh, tell me about this because I, I haven't heard that yet. Well, he he was also very honest and he, he basically <laughs> said they're taking uh, their style out of the Winnipeg playbook with trash talking. And he mentioned Stanley Bryant by name and it was like, wow. Really? Yes, and this is right before the half. Uh, Micah Alway, he was very fired up. And then, look, man, to me it looked like intent to injure on Trey Ford, put his head down, threw out the elbow a little bit. That's a dangerous play. And I I wonder, now that came in the fourth. I I wonder Uh, if the hit that Trey took at the end of the first half from Cam Judge that winded him mm-hmm. kind of slowed him down for the third until the fourth where he's like, well, I got to deal with the pain here. He seemed like he wasn't running as much or trying to run as much after he had the wind knocked out of him. And I think those hits take tolls on guys more than we realize, right? Oh, 100%. But I think, I don't know if that was more the case or more just... Um, we have to remember that this is Trey Ford's yeah. seventh start, and he didn't even make it through one of those. He only made it to the second quarter in one of those yeah. games. So, I think when you get kind of drilled like that, there, there, whether you want to or not, there's got to be a little yeah. bit of oh, I yeah. don't want that to happen again. Do you know what I mean? But when the game's on the line, um, and here's where I find that, like, obviously he got it out of his head. Um, we can talk about two kind of redemption stories in this game. Trey Ford, you know, not really connecting, throwing the two interceptions, all those things. And then here we are, the, you know, there's four minutes left, I believe, in the in the fourth quarter. Third and one uh, in on Edmonton's side of the field. And it's a run option play. And he pulls the ball and runs to the left for 24 yards. And Cam Judge just got him or he's still running. He would have been at the moment when he got around the corner and he had all that space. I thought I actually turned to my wife and said, if he scores this, he's going to get a statue because he's like, (laughs) like he's, I thought he was gone. And, um, but the ability to then take that into his own hands and, and do that and connect on that, the pass, I believe it was the, two passes later was the one to Dylan Mitchell in the end zone. Mm, Um, Like he recovered. Right. And same thing with Dean faithful. He misses the convert. He's beaten himself up about it. Goes off to the sideline, collects himself, hits the next two field goals. The one with zeros on the clock to win. And it's, it, 
it it was a it was a cool redemption for both of them as they're as they're both so young in this league uh one actually is young and the other one not as much but still uh young in the league and so they're it was cool to see that growth too right so and maybe judge's exit from the game was big in the fourth quarter comeback from the elks he was on trey all game long yep got to him a few times and uh, then took some friendly fire. Another linebacker makes contact with Judge, and I don't know if he hurt his neck or something like that, but he, he did walk off the field. He was upset, um, though. Yeah. Oh, he was Bounced upset. Bounced his helmet, which is kind of dangerous, but uh, yeah. he was mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But was truth- it Micah Alway? Because that would be a little bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. that was, I, I take that back. Yeah, that was, that was uh, Trey Ford in the fourth quarter alone, 12 for 14, 144 yards and a touchdown. After that second interception, he could have folded. And I was worried that they were going to start warming up other quarterbacks on mm-hmm. the sideline. Mm-hmm. So credit to the coaches for letting him get back out there and sort it out. Credit to him for rebounding as well. Uh, <laughs> those Stampeders, like – they they had every opportunity to put this game away, and then they went safe. I thought they had a seven-yard run with Kadeem Carey late in the game. All they needed was a few first downs uh, to wrap yep. it up, and then they went predictable on second and three. They got stuffed, so credit to the Elks defense as well because they got Trey Ford the ball twice within the last uh, – two minutes or so, two and a half, three minutes. Uh, This almost didn't happen because that two-point conversion in which the Elks weren't successful on. So (laughs) Gino Lewis goes to the locker room. I didn't know this. Yeah. Goes to the locker room. He had some equipment issue. Yep. Nobody, it doesn't tell anybody. So or they only had eleven guys on the field. Manny Arsenal's what's going on? He's freaking out. He's he's ex like all these <laughs> things. He's going nuts on the and he's uh, Manny's probably angry too because he's like, this is our shot. What? Yeah. Where is everybody? And then you know Forbes Montblanc comes kind of trotting on after the <laughs> timeout, like, oh yeah, right. And Manny's like, what, what, what the frick? He's doing his best Yosemite Sam impression. It's amazing. And uh, and then you see Gino come running down the sideline. I'm like, oh, I know what happened here. <laughs> Whoops. So then yeah. there was a procedure I think they took or offside? Uh, there was a uh, there was a procedure, but that was after they had called the timeout first yeah, to try yeah. and get enough players on the field. Then they got the players on the field. Then they took a procedure, and, and then yeah, and then blew it, uh, and then and then had the yeah, and then they challenge did, challenge. So both and, timeouts gone on the one play, <laughs> correct, and no timeouts for the rest of the game. And I thought I I remember saying. That's a silly challenge because they're not going to overturn it. And I've looked at it yeah. now afterwards. I can see why Jones challenged it. Well, it, it we don't flows. know what PI is, so you might as well take a chance. Correct. But the <laughs> trick was is that I I don't know because I looked at that and thought it's uh, that ne- those ones never go the way you want it to. Like it, they never do. Yeah. And now you have no timeouts. And I'm like, that is going to burn us. And it almost did. If it wasn't for the fact that AC Leonard stopped Kadeem Carey on that second and three yeah. and actually had him lose a yard. Like 
we wouldn't be talking about the Queen's wave or anything at yeah. this point, right? Yeah. Because uh, that that would have been deadly. Dean Faithful even missed an extra point. So yep. coming back at that uh, end of the game there, the pass interference, the missed OPI, a lot of breaks went Edmonton's way, but breaks have gone Calgary's way on Labor Day as well. I, I guess we're all even after two games here. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, we'll say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but Calgary you know still what? gets away with more. Come on, it's Calgary. We know that. Yeah. I think I got to say credit to Jones, and he even kind of said it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Other than Luches, Purifoy, and Ed Gainey, almost everybody in the secondary is a rookie, right? Yep. Yeah, he did say actually in his post game uh, chat, it was actually quite funny because Cam Tate was there uh, asking questions, and he said, "Did you think that the penalties are because your 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 secondary is so young?" And Chris Jones says, "Yeah, like there's basically five rookies that are rotating into that secondary," and he goes, "Yeah, like." They're either going to make a huge play, or they're going to take a penalty, and we just kind of have to take that. Like, that's just, that's what happens when you have young players. And most of this year, Jones has been referring to them as kids, right? The kids oh. did really well. And he, he's been really kind of making sure that people understand that this is a very young team, and which they are. There, there yep. is a lot of rookies in, in, or second-year players in that starting lineup. And so he is constantly saying that. Um, now, quite funny because uh, I don't know if you know Cam Tate, but he, he has cerebral palsy. And mm. uh, he's been a reporter forever, and, and he's a comedian as well, which is awesome. Um, but then, you know, Joan said, yeah, well, it happens. We... You have all these rookies, and and then Cam says, "Oh, I can make myself available." I <laughs> 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 all had a good laugh about it. It was kind of nice to have that post game. Um, but uh, it was, yeah, you, you see that with you see Bratton make like an unbelievable stop, and then the next play, he's got to hold somebody's jersey. Like it just yeah. it happens when you have when you have young guys that are learning the game and and learning the ins and outs when they they were supposed to have Aaron Grimes there to help show them what the ropes are but right. he's been out for the season Ed Gainey is is helping to teach them Luches Purifoy is helping to teach them but they still need time to learn it when you've got you know Bratton Gray and we had uh, Marcus Lewis until he got hurt mm -hmm. on Saturday um, all basically in their first year of either professional football or first year in the CFL for sure so uh, it is going to make an impact uh, on the field. Now, uh, the Stamps had their opportunities. There was a big, long play that went off the fingertips of Mark and Michelle. He might have been gone or at least had a big, long gain on mm -hmm. that play. Reggie Bagleton arguably could have been kicked out of the game. Uh, th they had an opportunity when the Elks took a too many men on a punt when C.J. Sims wasn't off the field, when Purifoy was... Uh, so. They had their opportunities to win this game. Uh, they just couldn't get it done. Kadeem Carey, 77 yards. Uh, Jake Mayer, 21 to 29, 210 yards and two touchdowns. I still think that the bad decisions that we've been seeing from Jake at times haven't happened the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's been said that Dave Dickinson has been more involved in the play calling. Maybe that is helping uh, Jake Mayer a little bit here. But they're going through growing pains there. Uh, as for the Elks, Geno Lewis, 
That's why they pay him the big bucks. Five catches, 89 <laughs> yards for Geno. Uh, he was the leading receiver, but Kevin Brown, 15 carries, 143 yards, nine and a half yards a carry. Trey Ford had over 10 yards a carry. He added 82 yards rushing himself. And Trey could be 5-0. and oh. They were up 22 nothing against Winnipeg. They had yep. the big lead on Calgary and Labor Day. Here we are. He's three and two, and I do, and I, I, I got to give credit to Chris Jones, like for how dejected the fans have been for the negativity surrounding the Edmonton Elks. They look like a team. Like well, if they were a team yeah. that is, if, if, if they, did you know any other team that goes zero and nine and they're like, oh yeah, no, no, no we're we're still going to show up next week and we're going to do great. What? Yeah, like. like and a bunch of young guys, and they're they're going to be fine. And, uh, although I I go back to one comment you said earlier, where you said uh, you know, hey, they, they he let Trace. Uh, you were watching for other quarterbacks to warm up, and I'm like, well, if we've learned anything this year, once a quarterback's in, they stay in. That's yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna it takes a bye week and a change of an offensive coordinator before we change a quarterback. So we knew that that was probably. But I, you're not pulling Trey out at that point. You got to let him work through it, and he did. And it's exciting to see them start playing as the team that they kind of expected. And, and so that this is what I was saying. We were talking at the beginning of the show with Bob Dice, right? Sometimes that yeah. consistency pays off and it's just a matter of getting the same voice, the same. Um, and obviously he has not lost the room, right? So. Yeah. The, like, me, the, the celebrations you see from these guys, right? They still care. Absolutely. 100%. 100% they still care. And as they're coming off, they, you know, win or, win or lose, they're, they're talking, you know, they're, they're with each other. And when they're talking to fans and or media or whatever, it's like, yeah, well, this is where we had the problem and we've got to correct that. And, but we're, once we get that corrected, we're going to be better. And they seem to be getting there. So um, the defense, I think, I, I saw a few things there today saying, you know, he could be five and oh, if his defense could hold a lead. Well, part of that is the offense, making sure that they don't burn yep. the defense. Out. Yeah, yeah. So I think it is a team thing, um, but you're right. There is a chance they could be five and oh, and, and just the fact that they're more competitive is, is great as a fan. Now let, let's talk about playoff. Well, first I'll mention CFL podcast fantasy league. I got pumped by uh, Ben from the X's and Argos oh. podcast. He was the number one scorer on the week. He had over 170 have, points. Yeah, it was, that was ridiculous. Yeah. 170 points. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't, I saw it come up, but I didn't so no shame in that. Team was. Yeah, no, he can't. No, You're I fine. still had 120 despite one of my guys getting ejected and Steven Dunbar having one <laughs> catch injured. for 16 yards. So so maybe you'd have caught him if it wasn't for that. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not hold out. A little back. bit closer anyway. Points, but closer, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, fair. Now, some people are writing Calgary off here for playoffs. I'm mm. not. So, now, I think the, with Hamilton's win, the crossover's out the window. And well, I actually think that Hamilton could finish second here. They're five and seven. Montreal is six and six. And those two teams play in the last week of the regular season. So Ooh, wow. now, now Calgary, 
I think their path to the playoffs is by catching Saskatchewan. And those two teams play next month. Saskatchewan could easily lose to Edmonton. It could easily go one way or the other, I think. I don't know if I'd say easily, but I'm going to say it will be a competitive game. They beat Edmonton by one with Trevor Harris. And by... (laughs) And wasn't the other one by two? It was because we, yeah, because they yeah. couldn't push it in at the one. Like yeah. this is a completely different team, right? Exactly. So, so uh, I don't know what we're gonna get. But not that Saskatchewan's the same either. They That's got true. Gala, right? So and, and they've got guys that you know they have Schaefer Baker back. They have you know so very interesting. Very that game could go either way. Now, <laughs> Edmonton's been shut out twice. And Saskatchewan has a worse point differential on the season. <laughs> Minus 105. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, uh, I di- I had not picked up on that stat, but I do appreciate that you brought it up while I'm here. <laughs> Edmonton's negative. They're in the 90s. But oh, they've been, still. I, yeah. I, I think Calgary could still catch Saskatchewan. I they could I would say that this loss it it's a blow to oh, their to their playoff run that's for sure. Um but I don't I can't remember what the actual stat was but I don't know that there's a time that both Alberta teams were out of the playoffs. And I don't know if there ever was a time that that happened. Like one or the other has always been in or both, right? right? So it's kind of wild to think that this split <laughs> could actually make that happen, which I, I don't want it to happen. Don't get me wrong. I, I'd kind of like to, you know, well, I'd rather see a green team in than a, than a red, but um, that's a, that is a stretch. I, and I, I was going to say, thanks, man. Stretch. Yeah. No, no, that's, that is not what I was saying. Yeah. That is not. Yeah. Uh, that's like when we had Ryan on last week and he said that, you know, that, it's uh, that Winnipeg, you know, they he wants them to get fat and sassy so that they, they're ripe for the picking in the in the playoffs. And Mike said, so you heard it here first. Ryan says BC and Toronto. Great. <laughs> Outstanding. Great response by Mike. Points for him. Uh, nothing like Superman fight. Anyway, the I do think that uh, um, I don't think Calgary's playoff hopes are gone. I just think that. Yes, it took a it took a beating. They're gonna have to really step up uh in this last bid. And one of the things that has kind of played Calgary this year is consistency, right? They yeah uh, you know, play one game lights out and the next game disappear. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over these last few weeks. But like you said, there's some key matchups that are coming up that are gonna be very, very cool to watch. Yeah, Saskatchewan, Calgary, October 13th, Edmonton, uh, uh, Saskatchewan this weekend, and then the end of the year, uh, Montreal, Hamilton. There's still Toronto, Winnipeg. There's a lot of fun to be had before the playoffs get here. Andrew from the Turf District podcast. Hey, where else can we find you, man? You're, You're on every Taco Tuesday, right? That's, uh, yes, every Turf District Tuesday, we are on uh, the YouTubes. Uh, come subscribe there and join in the chat while we uh, while we talk throughout the podcast. Uh, we do record it live, so um, and we do take uh, some of the questions, put them into the show, but then after the show, we come back on for overtime and just 
chat football with whoever's in the chat. So uh, join us for that. It's a ton of fun. Uh, our show usually comes out on all your podcatchers on a Thursday and now on Thursday nights at eight o'clock on edmontonsportstalk.com. You can join in and listen to us on there as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that it's uh, growing slowly but surely. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can like, comment on YouTube, and hey, throw us a toonie a month on Patreon as well. I'm not begging. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you at all. That's like my little jar at tailgate. It's okay. Like you don't have to put anything in, but boy, this food costs a lot of money. You know, like holy. Do you know how much it costs to do tacos in a bag for 45 people? It's it's a lot of people. It's a few dollars. Yeah, yeah no but doubt. Luckily, no doubt. lots of people are very generous. In you must way. be the house that everybody wants to go to on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give out tacos in a bag. <laughs> I was going to say, Travis I know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that Brazilian Thai will be here with me to get you ready for week 15 and he's going to have a big announcement for two and out nation as well we'll talk to you later this week thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter 